Podcast number two. Number two. Um, the unnamed podcast. The unnamed podcast. Great segue. I <laughs> I came up with uh, only one name. Okay. It's better than me. I didn't think of one today. Um, <laughs> I, hope, I hope you like it. Uh, I don't even know how to say it, actually. We'll have to get this. We'll have to go to the source in a minute. Um, we should call it inner machinations <laughs> Do, uh like the inner machinations of my mind are an inner <laughs> i know i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure machinations i i don't think hang on is that even a word <laughs> yeah because he says he says machinations correct i think he says or does he say it properly? No, no, actually, okay. Mac, M A C H I N A T I O N S. Machinations. Yep. Is a plot or a scheme or an intrigue. So, yeah, the inner plot that of my is... mind is an enigma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh it. Oh, my God. So, that's the only name I came up with, peaked, peaked early, but. Well, I mean, that's pretty damn good. I would say let's let's table let's that. Let's wait till we have a exact. Yeah, let's, let's okay. Let's table that. Let's see how it sits. My only worry with that name is it doesn't doesn't tell you what it is. No, I thought about that. Also, the word machinations. Like I was thinking about sort of the. Uh, what's the right marketing term for this? Sort of the playability of the name doesn't, uh, is maybe not the highest. Right. It's Uh, okay. That's, that's one choice. Yeah. So, but that's hilarious. I thought it was pretty good nonetheless. It is good. (laughs) It's very good. Because I was thinking, I was just thinking about like what our podcast, so I, I was thinking about what our podcast is going to be. And it is going to be us talking about whatever we want to talk about. So in that respect, mm-hmm. I think the name is appropriate. But Yeah, it is. But not necessarily obvious from the start, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think we both have to be ready for this thing to just evolve and change yeah. the more we do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For too rigid, it'll, it'll get stale. Yep. Um... So yeah, that was uh, anyway. that, that was one name that I came up with. I was, I'll think on some more. Yeah, me too. I I didn't think too much about the name yet, so I'll try to give it more thought. Uh, where I do, where I failed though, um, other than one, I, I did come up with one um, that at least we can talk about now. I, I got a couple other topics, but I, I did not come up with with too many topics from Sunday. No, mine mine were limited. But um but that's okay. Even if we just do one or two. Yep. Exactly. Uh 
normally we'll here. normally we'll have a week in between, right? And right. It'll be fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> Nobody panic. Nobody panic. Do you want to start? Uh, yeah, sure. So the only thing that I came up with was um, based off of your. Uh, I don't know if it's proprietary or not, but based off of your. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Real quick segue, or not segue. Side note: the in mm -hmm. the input sensitivity of your microphone. I'm actually looking at mine on Audacity as I talk. Yeah. And I had I just had to turn it way down because my microphone I. Oh. I'm not um, sure. I'm not sure what the playback would have sounded like, but I was reaching. It sounded I was re fine. I, okay. I'm assuming the full width of the thing from negative one to one is the capability. It's not maxing out at all. It's oh, like okay. 0. 0.5 at the that most. Makes sense. That makes <clears> sense. Okay. I was, seems to be. I was topping out though, so I, I reduced yeah, it. Yeah. No. No. We're we're good over on this end. In fact, maybe it needs to be higher. We'll see. Um. So the the only topic that I came up with, um, you had sent the picture about test driving the 2018 GT. Uh, yes. And I had a couple of thoughts about the picture. I don't know how much... Is that car out, or is, was that, like, secret? Oh, no, no, that car is out. Okay, okay. It's officially out. So one of the things that struck me that I wanted to ask you about in a wider sense um, was that how traditional the dashboard was for a high-end-ish sports car and sort of now granted it's a muscle car so that i think is going to play into your answer but okay. um when you compare that to something like all the hondas these days <sighs> or the corvette or um i mean if you go to the extremes of like uh like a lambo or something i don't even know what those yeah. you know they've all got digital readouts like a ferrari i'm sure has like a f1 style sort of sort of readout a just you know oh, yeah. totally digital display but i thought it was yeah. interesting that the 4gt had by you know by modern standards i suppose a pretty pretty basic yeah. dash i mean it's a pretty it's a car that is playing off of its retro themes for sure so i think that's probably the biggest contributor to it is that Obviously, it's a modern car, but it has a, metro, a retro look on the outside, and it carries through to the inside. So that means a little more simple. Um, and you also have to think about the customers who are buying it, who appreciate that kind of thing. They're, right. They're buying this car because, um, you know, a lot of people probably have a connection to the prior cars. Um so, you know, it's got that brand history to it. So straying too far from that is, you know, that's a, a an edge that you teeter on, I guess, whether you bring in new tech and make things look futuristic or if you stick to what you know. Um, so, so who's buying these cars? Do you know? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I can't say like... Yeah, no, I, I don't need to expect you to... <laughs> have hard specific. numbers but yeah yeah um it's pretty wide range for the mustang honestly i would say more you know younger to middle-aged um people than 30 to 40 strictly young people yeah like the the 30 to 40 because i mean it's still an expensive car yeah 
um, even in, in four-cylinder spec. Which is, um, non- I mean, what are you doing? What are what? you what are you doing buying a four cylinder Mustang? Like Well, here's the thing. Oh no. I'm about to eat my words. I drove the four cylinder one, the oh. new twenty eighteen with the four cylinder, and it had the ten speed automatic, which is new. Okay. Um co developed with GM actually, which is very interesting and subject all its own. Um, yeah, that almost but... sounds sacrilegious. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but um maybe that's for another time. So yeah, man, with the, so the four-cylinder is, I can't say a hard number, between two and 300 pounds lighter, I believe, just because of the engine. Wow. Compared to the GT. And okay, so that's overall significant. for a car, that's significant, but nothing crazy. But the thing is, with this car, it's all over those front wheels, right? Right. On an engine car. Right. So that's a... So, yeah, so I drove, um, I drove a 2017 Mustang GT manual convertible um a couple months back in that car when i first sat in it and started it up and started doing my thing it was like intimidating Hmm. it felt huge it whatever it felt intimidating to drive it was obviously fast as hell um getting in this car it just like this is like journalism jargon but it felt more approachable i guess okay um i got in it and i just i felt like i could drive it easily um it didn't feel intimidating. Uh, and then once I was driving it, I could see getting used to the speed of this car really quickly. But it did feel like a proper sports car. It was really agile. It was super fun weaving through traffic. Um, and overall, I don't know. So is part of the 10-speed automatics sort of purpose to give you so much gearing that you sort of kind of hide the fact that you have a four-cylinder? Um, well, you can get the ten-speed in the V8 too, if you right. But this, but specifically for the four-cylinder, having yeah. more gears and therefore a couple definitely if, better for the layman. You you, you kind of have a couple first, second gears, the low gears right. where you could really punch it now. Yeah, you can lower the um, or increase, I guess, the proper term, the ratio of those lower gears, and you can also do the opposite on the top end, so you can get more acceleration. Uh, you could also increase the top end of those top gears so that you can drop the RPMs lower or get better gas mileage, the whole thing. Right. Keep the engine in its optimum range. Right. Much easier. Um, so, yeah, the sense. 10 speed is just, it was really nice. It shifted smooth. Honestly, my only complaint about the car, um, the four-cylinder specifically, is that they pump in fake V8 engine sounds. Oh, Jesus. That's... So, when you're in the car and you have it in a sport <laughs> mode or something, it sounds like a V8. And you're like, okay, this is interesting. You open the window, and you hear a completely different sound, yeah. (laughs) And turbo sound. Just give me the turbo sounds. Don't try to hide what it is. Um, That's super depressing. Not super depressing. It's a little dramatic, but it it just... They're by no means the only ones who do it. No, and and, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, BMW was first on the scene with this, right? Um... At least one of the first, yeah, for sure. Or maybe really solidified its use, maybe is a better way right. to put it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, they're certainly not the only ones doing it. I just, I, I'm sure you're probably the same way. I, I just don't, uh, 
what's the point? I, I guess really. I, yeah. I, I guess it's a little it, silly. It is. It just feels fake, and it is fake. Mm-hmm. It uh, is fake. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I suppose there are forty-five-year-old dudes or whatever that. I don't know. I, I just it would. I would be interested to meet the guy who's like, yeah, pump in the V8 sounds. Right. I want to meet. Like, I'm very okay with that. I want to meet that guy and ask and, right. and ask him what what his reasonings are. Because if you're buying if you're buying this car, most of the people going into it have some concept of what they're doing. A V8 engine versus a four cylinder engine. Whether they understand it in depth or not, whatever it doesn't matter. They understand. Probably, you know, what they're getting themselves into. So when they hear that sound, they they have to know it's fake. At least the majority of the people buying this car. So yeah, it would be interesting to get people's opinion on that. Boy, they are winning the battle of attractive rear ends. My <laughs> goodness, that's good looking. Those lights are real cool. It's a beautiful car. It yeah. really has grown on me. The front end's quite a bit different, but... Um, Man, you can yeah. you compare this thing to the what was that? The twenty ten? Is that when they started? No. Twenty ten. What this? When did the Mustang make its reappearance? Two thousand eight. Well, the Mustang never went away like the Camaro. Oh, it didn't actually fully go away. My no, okay. but the two thousand five Mustang is the first year of what I'm thinking of. Of probably what you're thinking about, where it came back with that retro look. Yep. That is what I'm looking at. And I'm looking at the 2005 right now, and man, it's still good looking. It is. It's aged well. It has aged Especially, really well. Especially um, if you look at a, uh, what would the year be? Maybe a 20. Oh, I know what you're talking about. The one, Boss 302. Where they got Boss real curvy there. with it, right? Well, just look up 2014 Boss 302. It's a quite a good looking version of. Oh, yeah the some of the paint jobs get a little interesting but yeah i'm looking at um, right. i'm looking at it right now not bad but yeah so good looking car i would say going back to the the new one the four cylinders biggest issue other than the sound thing it's actual issue is that the v8 car exists right i feel like <laughs> if i were to drive the two backs and back back to back excuse me there would I'd be like, yeah, I have to have the V8. Yeah, it's there'd fast. be no contest. It sounds crazy. Yeah. But if you look at the four-cylinder card isolated, just as its own experience. It's fine. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Can you pinpoint the factor that made the one more intimidating or maybe the one less intimidating? So what about the 2017 was intimidating? Um, well, I mean, definitely, first of all, there's some sort of bias going into it when I when I hopped in, this was my boss's car, the the ah, GT, yes. the 2017. I knew it was the V8. I'd never driven a 450 horsepower car before. And your so boss. A lot of this is probably on your me. boss is sitting next to you. No, she wasn't with me. Oh, okay, oh, that's no. easier. Yeah, so it wasn't so much that part. I wasn't really nervous about crashing her car. It was like <laughs> manage, management lease anyway. Um. So yeah, never driven a car with that much power. Um, and also if you, you don't need to do it right now, but if you were to pull up a picture of the 2018 versus the 2017, you'll notice how much lower the front of the hood is. Mm. So I think when I was sitting behind the wheel of my boss's car, can't see shit. The hood feels so much longer. 
I'm actually, the car feels bigger. I'm actually looking at a side-by-side -side of the front end where it's split down the middle. And you can't really tell that the hood itself is higher or anything like that. But the mm -hmm. overall height of the grill is significantly higher on the old car. Yes. So I think uh, a couple things combined. And then, you know, when I got into the, the new one here. You've already done it I once. I knew I was, I'd already driven one and I knew I was getting into a four-cylinder. So just, you know, most of these are biases going into it probably. Right. Good that you can recognize those biases because, uh, <laughs> boy, are they everywhere. Mm -hmm. but yeah, that event was pretty cool. I, um, they send out a company-wide email, and it was first come, first serve. <laughs> Pick a time slot, and it's a two-hour event, and you just go over to... I went over to the world headquarters for the first time, and I drove a 2018 Expedition, and then a... Mustang right after that, and they purposely chose those two vehicles because they're on opposite ends of the Ford Spectrum. Right. So that was a lot of fun. Your picture of the Forerunner next to the Ford sign <laughs> is great. Yeah, for some reason that just amuses me more than it probably should. <laughs> well, they're such uh, fanboys of their own product, which you should be, I suppose. But uh... Yep feel a bit like an outsider rolling up in anything but a Ford. Right. Oh, there aren't many. There are some. I'm not the only one by any means, but um, there's some girl who drives a Subaru. I think it's an, uh, is it an Outback. Maybe it's just an Impreza wagon. Either way, she's got the thing lifted with knobby tires. It's got a roof basket on top. It's got rally lights. Nice. It, look, it looks like she beats the crap out of it. So I thought that was hear. pretty cool. <laughs> so she parks there as well sometimes. Um, so my topic is not at all a smooth transition. That's okay. Since, since I only have one, we're going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> um, I was reading... A news article today and I forget exactly the title of the article but really I stopped at this one point um, the whole thing was talking about global food production okay okay and then it gave a couple of stats and this is where I stopped and decided this is what I was going to talk about um, one-third of all food grown globally is thrown away that's fact number one another third feeds animals only um, which doing that crazy math a third is directly fed to humans um, and then you got to consider that some of this third that's feeding animals those animals will go on to become food for human us. food so we'll say maybe a half you know is towards uh, is human consumption but the main one that really caught me was the third that we throw away and it's absurd when you look at what is thrown away by comp uh, as a result actually of company policy and is actually yep. a result of like their fear of liability so yeah. so I, well yeah absolutely you're so right. starbucks or whoever the donut shop they throw out all those donuts at the end of the fucking night 
because mm-hmm. should uh, they give them to a homeless person and then that homeless person dies within some ambiguous amount of time, it, <laughs> it somehow exists that that's their fault. That uh, could at least be put at their feet. It's not even right. that. That's a pretty extreme example. A homeless person dying. I shouldn't joke. <laughs> but yeah, so, okay, well, let's say this. I, I get the donuts from, from Dunkin' Donuts at the end of the night. They're the, they're mm-hmm. the donuts that didn't sell it. I get cancer that night, and then I sue Dunkin' Donuts for right. uh, their donuts gave me cancer. That specific right. batch. So I mean, that had to, that's again, another extreme example, but that had to, the reason companies have these policies is because somebody at some point tried to sue them for something like what I just outlined. Right. And, and they could probably have some sort of liability a, waiver, you know, if they decided to give that away, but that's more difficult. It's easier to just throw it away. Probably. It's, it's cheaper. Apparently. I don't know. It must be cost driven or something, but right. yeah, it's crazy to me. And that a one third, I mean, that's. Isn't that mind-boggling? Just think about that. I don't... I can't believe it's that high. Like, even yeah. with all the food that I know gets thrown out, so like, right that now. that was... Right. And that was the one source I looked at, and I checked a second source to see if it was true. And um, the second source said 30 to 40%. So it's it's somewhat... A third might even be on the low end. Um, but going back to your point there it also lies in the hands of the the people buying the food at least in this country you know you're obsessed with not you specifically but in general people value the freshness and the presentation of the food if they see some spots on a banana well i'm not gonna buy that banana it's gross yep yep so nobody buys the banana it gets thrown away um whether it was good or not the the sort of uh, what's I don't know what you call this the 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 section of the meat counter where meat that's close to its sell by date goes. You know what I'm talking the, about? Yeah, like where they put it on sale. Yeah, yeah. Like I look at that thing every time. Well, sure. Why not? Do I most mean, of the time I'm I don't buy meat and then go put it in my refrigerator. No, for I'm looking days. to cook it right then and there. I go home and I make it. <laughs> so the other day I you know. I got like a beautiful New York strip steak for like five bucks. And you know that they're, for the reasons you brought up already, they're selling it. They're putting it there sooner than they probably have to. Yeah. I actually checked the sell by date. I had a whole, I had a whole two days. Mm -hmm. Um, And that sell by date already has a safety factor built into it. Yes, it it does. Yes, it does. So so it's kind of a no brainer. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Man, that's, that's so there's so many things yeah. that when you read about them you just you feel shame so, really for all of humanity and that's that's up there thrown in the Do third. you want to take it to the next level? No. And feel even worse about it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. Um so let's see how do I want to phrase this? Um so the throwing out the food so 95 to 150 kilograms per year per capita okay is thrown out per you know per capita yep. in the U, uh in Europe and North America so 95 to 115 kilograms per year per person that's more than most people's body weights oh for sure um let's see that's it's like 
280 pounds so yeah 95 is 210 pounds okay um so and the the other aspect to this is that um the number for sub-saharan africa and south slash southeast asia is six to eleven kilograms oh man so we whereas so we're throwing out all of these things basically out of um you know, frivolous desires, whereas I looked into why South and, you know, Asia and Africa are having these troubles, and it's mainly just the inability to farm 100% effectively. Right. They're losing, they're losing product because of improper farming, or, you know, they don't have the proper way to do it, they, whatever. They literally do not have the luxury to look at a piece of right. meat and go, oh, right. the red color that was artificially added is is fading, therefore, right. I don't want it. They're not throwing out things for that reason. Nope. We are. And, you know, I'm sure some of it is coming from um, just things happen when farming, sure. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. The majority you, get a bad, of that. you get a bad crop or something, you know, legit reasons yeah. you, don't, you can't sell. But... Right. Uh, yeah, so That's I thought that was pretty, pretty intense. <laughs> Man, and that's just—I'm uh, I'm just thinking. I'm expanding on on what what that means, just to the greater. You know, you've got all these population concerns with how much the planet can hold, and right. I just—I saw a figure that it, it's projected that there will be another two billion people by 2050. <sighs> I think. Good God. Which doesn't. That actually almost seems a little safe. low. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure how we how we sustain that. But, and um, it's it's just mind blowing that. So, what? How do I how do I put this? Like the the absurdities that exist in day to day life. Like it's this is again I'm I'm making extreme jumps here and extreme connections, but throwing those donuts out. Like you might as well be doing that in front of a starving kid. Yep. You might as well be throwing that food out while staring a kid in the face and be like, "No, nope, can't have any of this." You know. It's just, Granted, it's... let's be real. Starving kids probably shouldn't be eating donuts. No, but would they take a donut <laughs> over nothing? You're damn right they're gonna. Yeah. No, they and, definitely and, would. And I'm not. You know, donuts are. Okay, here's 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 one that I, I bet I don't have any numbers or figures or anything behind it, but here's one that I bet would really show the absurdity of things. Uh, I bet that there's a lot of avocados that get thrown out because they're perceived to be bad, and avocados Just produce is, in general. Avocados specifically have sort of developed this sort of. Uh, not the avocados, not the avocados themselves, but the people who buy them. I suppose there's a stereotype that they're pretentious, they're white, they're rich, they're yeah. they're whatever, they're young. It's a cult following. Right, right. <laughs> so, I I just have this image in my head of this really really rich white person throwing out an avocado because <laughs> because it's, it's got a little brown. Spot it's a little it. brown spot or whatever, and it's just like how how wasteful can you be how let's let's right. let's find the end game um man yeah so there was another stat in the article um and it kind of plays to your 
uh, comment on population. Um, I guess farming worldwide contributes 25% to greenhouse gases. Do they split Which that I, into I livestock versus... Uh... Um, I think so, but not... Well, I didn't write that information down. I didn't. I checked a couple different articles, but I didn't get that far. Gotcha. Um, I just have that one, that one stat, but... Um, because there's that um, says food production, so yeah, I do know that cows specifically even yep. contribute an, an ridiculous, absurd amount, a yeah. comical amount, it seems. Yep, um, it's actually why I don't really go for beef when I shop. Yeah, no, and and I do the same, and there's a whole group of people that you know choose, there's a whole group of people that uh, you know aren't going to stop eating meat or whatever because. That's that's unhealthy. That's unhealthy. But um, <laughs> you know, just go to pork or chicken. Yes, it's mm-hmm. yes. We're, we're still we're still not talking great conditions in the grand scheme. But um, again, no facts or figures. But the sort of anecdotal um, methane outputs of a cow have appar- are just apparently disgusting. Yeah, and I I don't know if. Um beef is the most popular meat choice at least in this country i'm not really sure it certainly is i believe i would venture to say it is in this country yeah it's definitely not pork no it's not uh pork although the rest of the world like asian countries and whatnot Mm -hmm. uh pork is at the top by far yeah it's actually pretty difficult to find quality pork or at least especially here yeah. Um, yeah. So twenty five percent. I thought that was pretty interesting. And so I tried to find because um, it also mentioned that uh, half of um, vegetated land. I guess that's half of land that has any type of vegetation on it, as opposed to just desert or. Not really sure exactly where that figure comes from, but anyway, that led me into um, just looking at and wondering about the effects of climate change in the future on um, our ability to even farm in the first place. We said it last um, week: uh, lab-grown meats, man. Yeah, please, hell yeah! I would, please save I us. I would go for that. Please save us. We needed to get that cost down. <laughs> It would solve a lot of problems, actually. It would go so far I'm, to do it's a gotta, lot. Of... It's going to create more problems somehow, but. Yep. I'm sure it like. Oh, I don't know what it does, but yeah, it's going to do something bad. But I'm I'm going to venture to guess now. I'll, right. I'll put it out there now <laughs> that it's probably a net. Game. It'll be a net net positive. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so I'm interested. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm interested on your your take on this. I couldn't come up with my own conclusion um i was trying to figure out whether we would end up with more farmable land or less farmable land due to climate change because rising mm. sea levels will destroy coastal areas which are farmed but in some areas right so those will go away there's a pretty i believe it's it's pretty well accepted that drought will increase overall so that's going to hurt farming but then you'll get Previously, 
unfarmable areas that are now becoming farmable. Right. And an example of that would be like Siberia or something in Russia, where before you couldn't, now you can. So yep. I'm wondering, is it a gain? Is it a loss? Is it a, is it just a wash? I would say, actually, you're sort of on the right track. Um, that it's a it's a net, it's a wash until you run out of northern or extremely southern uh, longitude, basically. So as the things heat up and farming as a whole moves away from the equator, I would mm -hmm. say it's, it's relatively a wash until it gets so hot that yeah. you have nowhere north or south left to go. Right, right. So, so that's, I mean, that's the... Ultimately, under the assumption that things will not stagnate and that it will continue to get worse and worse and worse. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, one thing, this isn't good, but one thing that I've, I've started to notice um, just in sort of overall the news that you read and all these things, and it's happening quicker than I hoped, which is a good and very bad thing. So basically global warming is finally... Uh, climate change is uh, is finally impacting businesses, and that's that what it takes. And that's what it takes. That was, that was the only way we were ever going to get any sort of real change. Money talks, man. Money talks big time. So it's great that that's happening, but it's also terrible because that means global warming is it is happening at a rate. Oh, it's real, man. Not not previously understood. And in that same vein, this conversation started making me think of, so uh, the food, those are good numbers in the sense of just how shocking those numbers are. Yeah. One thing I saw on Reddit not too long ago that I, I've re-pulled up here, <laughs> and you, you, can, you can actually offer probably a little bit on this, uh, the shipping industry and just how much the shipping industry contributes to pollution. And one of the major factors... Hmm is the engines on these giant container ships are absurdly Old. inefficient like oh yeah like disgustingly inefficient and obviously and part of that is old yeah um so I, i've got uh, the guardian up in front of me one giant container ship can emit almost the same amount of they say cancer and asthma causing chemicals. I, I, I don't know what, where you get that from, but basically let's, let's dumb it down and say one giant container ship can emit the same amount of pollution as 50 mm -hmm. million cars. Whoa. So there are 330 million. Over what kind of, uh, Oh, good, like, good catch. There's gotta be a, gotta another be a good catch. Something to that. I will peruse this as we go here, but, um, just or is put, it just at any given time? Like a, a ship cruising on the ocean is emitting the same amount as 50 cars driving in a line. To simplify it. Uh, they're not specifying, so it's either going to be over a year or over the lifetime of the ship. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I mean, it's all relative anyway, I guess. It is, but... yeah, yeah. Um, that's pretty ridiculous. So some of the major factors in this, uh, the shipping industry is uh, 
So how it kind of works is you got to register your boat somewhere, <laughs> but effectively, from what I understand, I'm no, no expert, but what I understand is that uh, it ultimately really doesn't matter where the hell you register your ship. But what does matter is where you do register your ship, uh, you are subject to that port's uh, laws in a certain sense. So okay. ships registered with the United States cannot pollute this way. They're not, right. they can't do that. We will not. But guess well, what? All you got to do is certify your giant shipping ship with like the Cayman Islands and right. you're done because they don't have any pollution uh, regulations. Right. I'm picking on them, but uh, <laughs> so, you know, almost no commercial ships are registered at American ports. Hey, maybe they will be soon though. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this feels like uh, like an EU thing. Like they should maybe step in here. Crack down on this. Yeah, it seems like pressure is mounting. Go after again. Pulling from the Guardian article, pressure is mounting on the UN's International Maritime Organization and the EU to tighten laws governing ship emissions. Followed, um, so the US led. Uh, led the charge here we i guess mm -hmm. we in uh it doesn't give a year but we have come out with stricter uh shipping rules but as i stated it ultimately must is, have been over a year ago yeah it doesn't matter because nobody registers with us they right, all register right. with like somalia or who you know anybody um, it's got to be a way to just not not let it be that open <sighs> why can't there be a governing body that if these ships because it's not we like have... the ship's saying in in Somalia or wherever it's registered, it's going all over the world. So why shouldn't it be subject to conditions that affect all over the world? You would think it would be, and I, I think it's just one of those things where um, all countries involved have their own problems, and the the nature of the international waters. You know, once you get outside the economic buffer zone that each country has. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, each country has, I think it's like two or three miles off their coast. Um, that's sort of their, that's still the country. But once you get outside mm -hmm. that two or three miles, you're in international waters. And is, is just, just it, a, it's just that. It's, it's, the it's, wild it's, west. it's the wild west. There's no law out <laughs> in it. You know, you can, you can be a pirate out in international waters. And if you get away with it. Pirate uh, radio, man. Pirate, <laughs> we're doing it right now. <laughs> Um, just one stat in this, this, that's ridiculous. Again, no time frame, so I can't, I can't, uh, uh, speak to that, but the, based on engine size and quality of fuel typically used, which has a great name, by the way, uh, bunker fuel is what this stuff is called. Hmm. And it is the bunker. worst. So in the gas refining process, there's, you get different byproducts. That's where kerosene. So like when you're making gasoline, yeah, you, also are making kerosene you're also making oil all of those things are the byproduct of the same process it's just that gasoline is is the is the right type of fuel that cars have been designed for kerosene has been used for other things so at the bottom of this list of fuels that you get from the oil refining process is mm -hmm. bunker fuel it is like sludge it is the grossest shit you can think of it's like it's like the bush light of fuel. It's, <laughs> it's like the all steel, the other it's beers. It's the steel reserve of fuel. Yeah. It's the beers that didn't make the cut for Bud Light. Right. Get put into. Right. 
so Other brands can uh so taking in engine size and and quality of fuel uh just 15 of the world's biggest ships emit as much pollution as all the world's 760 million cars 15 Whoa. ships versus all the cars now obviously there's some margins Damn. in there but 15 how many ships are there uh, floating around? 16? No. Um, <laughs> I oh, more than that. oh, my God. Oh, I can't tell you this number. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Dude, we're dead. We're all dead. 90,000. 90,000? 90,000. Why are we talking about hybrid cars and electric cars? Holy hell. What a waste of fucking time. Oh, here we go. Here's a here's a time frame you were asking. One large now granted those 90 ships, the category they've put against that is ocean going cargo ships. So certainly that is a lo- is a big category and there are going to be some modern ships in there that are much more efficient and all that. But mm. I mean, hell, even if there's 30 of those <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, Seems like that's something we should. Yeah, we should go. One large ship can generate five thousand tons of sulfur oxide pollution in a year. Now, that's Mm. uh, it doesn't mean a whole bunch to me, but um, yeah, what's their? um, Because I mean, cars are putting out all sorts of pollution. If you want to, if you want to categorize it that way, but um, at least as far as global climate change goes. Greenhouse gases are what you really need to, yep. if you want to isolate that problem. So, actually, the Guardian has summed this up for us real nice. Again, this is the Guardian. I'm not fact-checking necessarily, but a... the world's biggest container ships have 109,000 horsepower engines, which weigh just the engine, 2,300 tons. <laughs> Each ship that doesn't even mean anything because it's such a large. I, uh, you can't oh, think about what, what that is, dude. One thousand, uh, one hundred and ten thousand horsepower. Like, why are we using horses? <laughs> yeah, come up with a new metric. Let's let's yeah, Newton meters. Let's just convert over to Newton meters. Um, <laughs> each ship expects to operate twenty-four hours a day for about two hundred and eighty days a year. As I said, there are 90,000 of the ships that are in this sort of uh, stat set, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Shipping is, is responsible for 18 to 30% of all of the world's uh, nitrogen oxide, 9% of the sulfur oxide. I'm going to guess those are in the greenhouse gas category. I'm not too sure. I'm not an expert. One large ship can generate 5,000 tons of sulfur oxide. 70% of all ship emissions are within 400 kilometers of land. 85% of all ship pollution is in the northern hemisphere. Hmm. And ultimately, shipping is responsible for 35 to 4% of all climate change emissions. Interesting. That's lower than I would expect. I was getting ready to say the same. Um, all those bigger numbers as we're 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 setting a big big setup here, and then we got to four percent. Yeah. So, how much are cars contributing then? If we're saying that one fifteen one percent two percent, I guess I don't know. Hmm. Seems suspect. I would like to delve more into this. Yeah. That. Yes. 
But man, I, that 15 chip thing though. That's a little mind-boggling. That hurts. That really hurts. Like yeah, regardless of whether we're talking strictly climate change or not. No, that's just silly. It's absurd. Yeah, it's. I mean, to your point, what? <sighs> we got to get Elon Musk on this. <laughs> get Actually, the semi, the cars, the planes, yep. the boats, and he's and already trains. he's already looking way ahead. He's already basically scrapped the Earth. He's looking to get us. Yeah, to... we got rockets. Yeah, we're we're going to Mars. We need to get out of here. Do you think he'll be the first person to? Part of me um... hopes that he's the first one to like strap in. Yeah, like <laughs> I kind of have a feeling that one day we're gonna wake up and there's a an Elon Musk tweet. And it's a picture of him, like, just From sitting space. in his own rocket. <laughs> and he's like, this is it. I'm out. Good that luck. would be the and dope. he just takes off. That would be the dopest shit ever. Like, yeah. I'm out. We don't know whether he makes it or not, but we got to assume he does. Yep. Oh, man. 90,000 ships. <laughs> so, how do you fix that? Uh, in my At least to me... This would take a world effort. Everybody would have to be on board with this, basically. But yeah, which almost Honestly, which almost defeats the purpose of what I'm about to say, I guess. But basically, you say, as a country, you say, look, we if your ship doesn't meet these guidelines, because well, okay, let me back up. Right now, the problem is you can sign your ship up uh, anywhere, and you can right. sign That's it up. That's definitely a problem, right? So the way if you can't fix that problem. What you then do is say, okay, you can't come into the port of the loss of San Francisco with that ship. It's too shitty. Mm -hmm. You can't. <laughs> we're not going to do business with you because your ship sucks. Right. So uh, that that's ship, right, right. Now that's <laughs> tough because you're going to have to get like the U.S. and the EU to take the first step, right? Because if like mm -hmm. I don't know if Portugal makes that threat people are like okay we'll just go to spain or whatever right you know if if one mm -hmm. small country or even just a couple small countries make that threat ultimately they're just going to kill themselves you need i you, mean you need the big yeah. play you need the big players to also get in on that because well oh i would like to see the need for shipping so much stuff just be reduced. That would help a lot too. Why are we shipping Legos? You know, there's that crazy story of, uh, it's not even, a, it's, it's a real thing. There's a beach in, Ooh, Ireland. Somewhere's off the, so the English coast, somewhere's in that yeah. area, uh, where a leg, a crate, a shipping container full of Legos fell over the side of the ship. Which happens all the time, not just Legos, of course, but containers fall off the sides yeah. of ships all the time. Yeah. Um, there's just shoes in the bottom of the ocean in a container, <laughs> potentially yeah. even still sealed. Like there might be limited edition Michael Jordans in a sealed container at the bottom of the ocean. If Podcast can... number three takes place on <laughs> the submarine. <laughs> We're looking for the limited edition Michael Jordans. We take things <laughs> to uh, but a different so, level. So the beach thing, though. Uh, this container appears to have broken, but not like completely open. Mm -hmm. You can go to this beach and it was a pirate Lego set that was in the container. You <laughs> can go to, was. you can go to this beach and it's actually turned into a bit of a game where 
people are looking for the Legos as they wash up on the beach. And certain yeah. certain pieces in the set are obviously more rare. So one of the most rare things that you can find is a Lego octopus. <laughs> and they're all, yeah. And so the, the currents of, of where this container, the you know, where the container fell and then the ocean currents that are around it, yeah. just basically there's a slow leak of, of these pirate Legos. <laughs> That's uh, pretty awesome. I love that it's pirate Legos. Yeah, it and it's a, it's a total. I'm not making that up at all. Like that's I've a, heard it before, um, and it's just fantastic. forgot the details, but that it's, is kind of crazy. Yeah, and that's funny. That's funny in its isolated sort right. of context. But then you think about, okay, well, how many other containers full of God knows what are just, mm -hmm. you know, nuclear waste? Nu yeah. Oh, dude, don't even... Oh, my God. Uh, there's a documentary about what what Great Britain... Okay, so the English Channel, parts of it are not deep at all. Okay. Like, meters deep. Two, three, five meters deep. There are... I mean, the English Channel is... And it's marked, like... I don't know if it's public information, but the Army knows about it, obviously... Uh, there are nuclear waste barrels in the English Channel, sometimes as little as two meters from the surface. Really? Yep. And they have been struck by boats before and opened. No way. Yep. Yep. You can Google. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in America, uh, when we were developing the atomic bombs, we would build these large pits, fill them with water, and put uh, put nuclear waste barrels into them yeah and every now and then one of the barrels would uh break free from its restraints keeping it on the bottom can you guess what we did to resync them <laughs> no i'm not sure we shot them we what? Sh we fired holes into these barrels and that was how they sank that is that is 100 percent fact whoa that's bad thinking really bad in fact, uh, there's a great book. Um, ooh, I'm blanking on the name. There's a great book uh, that Dan Carlin actually had me read, basically. That <laughs> one third of the book is dedicated. It's, it's basically a book about the after the lesser contemplated after effects of war. And mm. one, it's split into three sections. And one of the three sections is America's nuclear program. And it's mind-boggling how idiotic we were really it's like it's it's the inner machinations of their minds were <laughs> a complete enigmas um maybe not even present probably not the one of the other third uh this is a great story as well one of the other sections of the book so <clears throat> i don't have a, i don't know percentage wise or whatever but a, a, a healthy portion of France is just completely inhabitable because of the amount of artillery rounds fired in World War One. The amount of unexploded ordnance that's just in the Black Forest is—I mean, you can't—you can't go there. You'll blow up. You will if you try to go through a walk. If you go for a walk through one of these forests, the chances yeah. of you exploding are like over fifty percent. That's really fucked up. So what they do is uh, there's a whole unit of the French army that when these munitions are found, uh, they go and collect them. They bring mm -hmm. them to this peninsula uh, on the French coast and they wait for the tide to go out 
they build a big pile of these munitions. They wait for the tide to come in, and they blow them up. Huh. Pretty elegant, actually. That part. Why do they wait for the tide? Just, just to so just to, all the way through. Yeah, it? just so that you have sort of like a a shield over the explosion, mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than just setting off. You know, because they do. They literally they have they explode every day. They they have enough munitions that they they have an explosion twice a day actually. Sorry, because the tide comes in and out twice. Really? Yep. So they have enough munitions. I mean, there's a stockpile. They there yeah. there there are stored unexploded munitions in that are are waiting to be exploded that are being replaced as you know quicker than they can blow them up. Right. Right. Jeez. Unbelievable. I'm looking at a picture of the barrel under the English Channel. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it says, an intact barrel of radioactive waste found just kilometers off the French coast. Yep. Um, so that one's not meters, but still. Well, it's kilometers off of the coast, but what I was saying is oh, it's... Oh, true. You're saying depth. I'm saying, exactly. Depth. Yep. Yeah, that's, oh, that's, this book. Uh... Where did this book go? No, 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 no. Did I delete it from my... I did. I was hoping to get the name of um, of the book but uh, from my Amazon wish list because it was still on ah. there. But uh, You'll have to uh, report back to our listeners next yeah, week. Yeah, I will. I will. I'll get <laughs> you that book. Because it's, it's a short read. It's a great read. And it's... Yeah, it's... I'm trying to remember what the third second... Oh, the third section, uh, I won't spoil too much, but uh, the third section is about uh, the bone fields of Russia. Whoa. Basically, basically there are areas of uh, Russia where entire German armies were wiped out. Oh, God. And you, if you try to walk across these fields, well, I'll stop there. <laughs> it's, you won't blow up, but you might find something else. Yep. And it's the the scale of it is is what's just heartbreaking, really. Sounds, sounds pretty disturbing, yeah. So, yeah, I hope you all were down for a pretty depressing podcast. But... Say we definitely uh, we definitely <laughs> took it from four GTs all the way to bone fields. Maybe we should try to have some uh, rhyme or reason to our our topics. <laughs> Yeah. But here's the thing, though. As, as depressing as this conversation is, not enough people are having it because it's depressing. Right. It's not fun to talk about. It's not, it? No, it's not fun to talk about at all. I'm pissed off. <laughs> I want to go. I want to do this ship thing. I, I keep coming back to this 15. If that number is even, let's put it this way. If that number is even remotely correct. Mm-hmm. That 15 of these ships can account for all of the world's cars. Think about how many cars are in India and all the little scooters. And sh- I wonder if scooters are in that number, but it doesn't matter. It's yeah. it's just, my God. Yeah, it's hard to wrap your head around. Impossible, really. It's impossible. Uh, which picture of the Mustang were you looking at? Uh, where did it go? Oh, I lost it. You uh, said you were looking at a side by side. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was actually a looking at the front of the car and one half of the picture. It was bifurcated down the center, 
mm-hmm. uh, one half of the picture was one car, and then one yeah. half was the other one. I'm pulling it back up. Was now. it orange and red? Uh, yes, that's one of them. But that actually looks like the exact same car. Yeah, that's not a good image because they're not showing the difference in height for no, some reason. No, I'm looking at on the left is a red car and on the right yep. is a silver one and it okay, looks perfect. like it's in Nevada. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's a good. That's and the good hood, one. the hood itself doesn't appear. No, not the the hood at the windshield is not lower. But the length of the hood, the overall height of the hood across its, its length. It's the way it dips down towards the nose. Right. Right. It's much lower. But anyway, there you go. Back full circle. Yep. <laughs> Maybe not elegantly, but nonetheless. One of the things I will uh, segue into else before we, we're, we're approaching, uh, what are we at? 58 minutes. Um, yeah. Wow. 50, wow. That's ridiculous. It's easy. It's super easy. Um, <laughs> Bitcoin. I don't know if you've had your finger on that pulse at all. I've been thinking about it, but not not too seriously. Well, to be honest. here's the here's I'm in it. I'm in. Uh, so right. full, full disclosure, I do have a position in both uh, all three. I've got uh, bit, invested. Bitcoin, not a lot. Um, I've got uh, some Bitcoin. I've got some Ethereum, and I've got some Litecoin. Just mm-hmm. sort oh, of you the. Did get- sort of the big three at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Th- okay, this perfectly solidifies what I was going to say. So in traditional investing terms, if you get a uh, 5% return on your investment, you put in $100, you get 105 back. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, depending on your time frame, that's pretty good. Right. Um, Bitcoin, ha- just today has generated 21% return. Whoa. Just today. To put that in perspective... Um, What's the likelihood of that sticking? Well, I would have said a month ago, none, none at all. Yeah. Uh, okay, the euro... This is absurd. Bitcoin is breaking all... This is... And I'll, I'll get to this more in a second, but... I have a position, but I fully expect my position to be completely wiped out because it's just, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Uh, so year over year, the price of Bitcoin, one year ago, the price of one Bitcoin was $764. Mm-hmm. As of right now, that is now $14,390. Whoa. That is, that is a 17, that is an 1800% return year over year. Whoa. That's, that doesn't make sense. How, how does this even make sense? (laughs) Well, one, one way it can make sense is, uh, that sort of we're trying, uh, traditional investing logic would tell you that we're trying to find the real value of a Bitcoin, right? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. it's just that we're finding that real value way faster than ever before. And that would make a lot of sense because Bitcoin is the first sort of, uh, this is not the right term, but internet-based currency yeah. in a sense, right? So mm-hmm. naturally, the speed of things can happen a lot faster. And sure. it's, it's completely unregulated, so that helps a lot too with the speed. Mm-hmm. But it's so absurd that I just don't... 
So uh, what I what I was originally going to start with before this number in front of me, 14,390. Uh, so Bitcoin in 2011 was like a dollar a coin. And then it made it to $20 and then it made it to $200. $200, I remember, it was a huge deal. $200 a coin was crazy. People couldn't believe it. Yeah. But basically, the, the lengths of time it's taken to get to these sort of artificial thresholds, which have now basically become every major $1,000 mark, 12000 13000 the amount of time that it's taken to breach those thresholds has, has actually exponentially shortened. We went mm -hmm. from the amount of time it took to go from zero to 5,000 was so long. We went from 5,000 to 6,000 in uh, like a couple months. We went from mm -hmm. six to seven in a month. We went from seven to eight in like three weeks. And we went from 11,000 to 14,000 in less than a day. Whoa. So that that spike, that, that speed is just, mm -hmm. uh, how can you... I just don't. So where where in this ridiculousness do you decide that you're going to sell for profit? Mm, good question. How Ooh. far do you think it could go? I. Who knows? Who knows? So. Oh, there's so many factors wrapped up into it. One of the things that makes Bitcoin attractive is your government can't come take it from you. If you look mm -hmm. at if you look at Saudi Arabia, uh, the crown prince of saudi arabia under the guise of a corruption uh purge basically arrested all of these uh high-ranking princes and whatnot mm -hmm. and then allowed them to buy their freedom <sighs> and when you think when you actually look at it and you look at these saudi oil uh sorry the saudi cash reserves uh because of the low price of oil for the past four years um They'd been running out of money. So basically, mm -hmm. this guy arrested all of these people for corruption and then said, if you hand over a certain percentage of your ill-gotten gains, basically to refill the, the country's coffers, we'll let you go. And that's exactly what's mm -hmm. happening. So mm -hmm. that's, um, that's all because those are all fiat, the term, uh, like the car. Those are all mm -hmm. fiat currencies, basically currencies created by governments mm -hmm. bitcoin is not that so that's one thing that makes it very attractive it it can't be taken from you assuming you take the right steps to protect yourself whereas mm -hmm. the money that's in my bank account right now uh if the fdi if the fdic wanted to they could they could come take that money right um there would be riots and revolts and and probably warfare in the streets if they did, but they could do it. Right. Um, so that's one thing that makes Bitcoin so, so attractive. Um, but then ultimately though, you have to be able to spend it somewhere. That's kind of like right. what money does, right? Yeah. And that's for me, one of the big uh, sort of missing pieces is there are definitely places that accept Bitcoin. You can, you can definitely go spend your Bitcoin and, and, and translate it into something real. You can definitely do that, but you can't really like go to King Supers or Kroger and, <laughs> and get your right. groceries with Bitcoin yet. So right. man, it's, 
to answer to directly answer your question, I really don't know where it will go. My philosophy is, is I've put in enough money where I am totally okay with all of it blinking out of existence. Yeah. So I'm just gonna let it ride because at the moment, I mean, I got in one of my one of my purchases was at five thousand. Wow. So I've already got a hundred percent return. That's crazy. Now, granted, it wasn't a ton of money that I put in, so we're you know I'm, yeah. not, I'm not retiring or anything, not even <laughs> not even close actually, but um, it's if it if it goes, I mean, at this rate, I mean, I'm almost gonna I'm, I'm <laughs> I was looking at this this morning at eleven thousand, thinking I should probably buy some more, <laughs> and eight hours later, I've I've lost. In uh, intangibly lost twenty one percent. Like, right. I, if I had done that, I would have, you know, however much. And that, um, but just that time frame, that that to me, that that's absurd. You can't, people can't react that quickly. If you have your money in something that's that volatile, you go to. Let's put this in. Basically, what these numbers are showing is that. By the time you leave the grocery store and have picked out all of your groceries and you're ready to check out, depending on which way the market swung, you either can't pay for those groceries <laughs> or you can buy the whole store. All right. So that's not sustainable. Like that type of volatility, that can't happen in a in a currency that actually has real use. It, it, you mm-hmm. know, the, the dollar doesn't fluctuate like that. So ultimately, now, you can purchase you can purchase fractions of a of a coin. Yes, I can tell you exactly how much. Well, yeah, I own uh, two <laughs> uh, percent of a Bitcoin. <laughs> okay. Point zero two. However, I'm rolling in Litecoin. <laughs> <laughs> how much is that going for right now? Litecoin. So. Bitcoin is only going up since we've talked. It is at a yep. cool, it has a cool fourteen four hundred right now. Ethereum is at four thirty eight twenty four. Litecoin is at a hundred dollars flat. Hmm. I got I got into Litecoin at fifty, and I got into Ethereum at two. Hmm. But again, how we're do not, I go about investing? Coinbase would be the most user friendly option for most people out there. An app, mm-hmm. an app called Coinbase. Uh, it allows you to buy and sell uh, those three: Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin. Okay. Um, the buying part's super easy. It's actually done. An app on my phone. Yep. It's actually done through your credit card. Um, so I, I can verify that the buying process is super easy and and uh, you know is safe, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, and is real, I guess. Because that was one of the things I knew about Bitcoin back in 2011. But one of the things about Bitcoin way back then was like. You didn't even like know like was it legal like right and it was right. very it was it was a very it was very wild westy anyway uh it this still feels that way for me it, it well it is still that way very much um a lot of the demand a lot of the drive something something's going on in south korea a lot of the ip addresses that are associated with the purchases of bitcoin are coming out of south korea so mm-hmm. they're driving up the demand right now um but uh the selling process, you have to submit your license and, and basically they have to sort of go through some extra steps to verify who you are. Um, 
But so who's regulating this at all? Nobody. So who's who's checking then when I'm buying and selling? Technically, nobody. Um, I did look into it. Should you make a sale and you make a profit, Coinbase does issue you a 1099, uh, which is hmm. the traditional way you report capital gains. Yeah, right. So Coinbase is uh, compliant even though they technically don't have to be, I, I don't think at least, uh, Coinbase is compliant with with uh, U.S. tax code. Interesting. So if okay. I sold, so that position that I had at five thousand, which is now worth two times that, uh, no, sorry, three times that, um, you know, if I sold and and took that profit, I, I would have to pay capital gains tax. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, it's, and that's relatively new too. You know, there wasn't even, you know, that, that was not the case even in 2012. But here's the thing about uh, these one, just, I suppose one aspect of these currencies that make them kind of dangerous. Coinbase is, is, is an exchange. They call it like the New York stock exchange or, um, you can think of it just like any, you know, the the CBOE, the, the Chicago Board of Options Exchange, whatever. Um, so there's another exchange called Mt. Gox, MT.GOX. Okay. And they were the primary exchange for sort of the 2011-2012 timeframe. is where mm-hmm. most coin transactions were happening. Okay. Well, the basically the FBI came through, and when they did their big Silk Road bust, uh, the way the coins are stored, I won't go into it, but basically they're stored in wallets, which are just digital addresses, basically. Mm-hmm. And the FBI came through and stole everybody's Bitcoins. Really? So if you had Bitcoins in a wallet that was held at Mt. Gox, mm-hmm. it's gone. How how are they able to do that? Uh, the Silk Road? Just... Well, so the, the FBI... Uh, <laughs> And and I'm and I should should full disclosure, you know you can't prove that it was the FBI who did this, but um, a lot of factors line up to make it the case. Um, but the what is fact is that they busted the guy that ran the Silk Road, which was sort of a dark web marketplace where you could buy theoretically anything. Mm-hmm. And the main form of of transaction, uh, the main currency was Bitcoin. So the FBI busted the Silk Road and took those Bitcoins uh, under the guise of sort of, uh, I don't even know which law, I suppose, but like trafficking or whatever. Yeah, right. I understand. And I'm actually going to fact check myself right now because I'm wondering if I'm combining two stories. Uh, I'm wondering if Mt. Gox actually got hacked rather than... let me back up. So the, the what is for sure, the FBI busted the Silk Road guy, and he had a lot of bitcoins, and they definitely took his bitcoins, definitely. Okay. Uh, but let me let me fact check myself right here. Handling so Mt. Gox was handling seventy percent of all Bitcoin transactions. In February twenty fourteen, they suspended trading, closed his website, and filed for bankruptcy protection. Hmm. 
Mt. Gox announced that approximately 850,000 Bitcoins belonging to customers were missing and likely stolen. An amount valued at the time, 450 million. Now, I don't know what price they're using, but I can tell you right now that that was probably probably $200 a Bitcoin, let's say. Right. Whereas we're at 14,000 a Bitcoin now. Um, so do they do they technically own that or did it just theoretically disappear? They were stolen. They're not gone. Somebody has them. Right. Yep. Man, that's crazy. So that really put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths because yeah, it, you sure. know it just naturally it was stolen. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm reading a little bit more on the Wikipedia page. They filed for bankruptcy protection in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I won't vamp, uh, vamp on this too much more, but uh, yeah, so it's just a just goes to show just how wild west it really is. Right, right. You know, you had. Mil, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of these things just gone. Blink of an eye. So, can anybody can theoretically start one of these, correct? A digital currency? Yes. Yeah, if you know how to code it, sure. Yeah. Hmm. And there's a ton of them. I mean, there's one literally yeah. called Dogecoin after the meme. <laughs> you know, the Doge meme? I don't know. It's, I think it's a corgi dog. Oh. (laughs) Um, And there was a, um, type in, uh, do do me a favor, type in um, Dogecoin, D-O-G-E, NASCAR. Type in, oh, I, yeah, oh God, really? I know what that is. Yep. So Dogecoin was a joke digital currency that somebody made just as a joke, mm-hmm. but it, you know how the internet is. Yep. <laughs> it, it start, people started buying and selling Dogecoin. And then <laughs> somebody sponsored a NASCAR race. A, I'm sorry, a car in a NASCAR race with Dogecoin. And I'm looking at car number 98. I'm looking at it right yep. now. And oh so the, that's, that's another thing that sort of discredits these digital currencies is like, how, how can this, how can this be? How can this Dogecoin, this digital currency, how could that, you know, your, your average person's going to look at this and go, this is just a big internet joke. But it's hilarious. It's hilarious. That is wild. So yeah, there's all kind. there's a list. I'm going to type in list of cryptocurrency, crypt, sorry, cryptocurrencies is probably That's what the, it's called. Yeah. This is the more appropriate name. So just the top 10 uh, that sort of Google throws at you are the top eight. Ethereum, Ripple, Litecoin, Dash, NEM, Ethereum Classic, <laughs> Monero, and Zcash. Those are just just the top that, that Google threw at me. It didn't mm-hmm. even mention Bitcoin. And then, and then at the Ethereum Classic, that was an interesting one because one of the things that happens to these bigger, uh, 
So the basically the code that's behind Bitcoin, mm-hmm. some people think is, in hindsight, is has got some flaws in it. So oh, other other people have attempted to improve that, but basically, right. if you change the code, you effectively start a new branch of the currency, right? And that basically yeah. means you're starting a brand new one. So there's one called mm-hmm. Bitcoin Cash, but uh, the, if they're not accepted in the same way that Bitcoin is, then you know they, they won't gain any value. Right, right. So, yeah, it's all, it's all over the place. It is a mess. I'm I'm going to read into this more and we can come back to it. Okay. Um cuz I really don't know much. Actually, I I wouldn't I would say I don't really know anything about it. So Well, I was I didn't mean to go that deep into it, but it's it's a no, fascinating. It's, okay. it's a fascinating subject and uh I'm interested. I yeah. just need to know more before I can have a educated conversation about it sure sure all right i think that's probably a good stopping point for today wrap it up for number two wrap it up yeah